Michael Heron loved the Smoky Mountains of Tennessee. He was born and raised there and continued to reside in the area, raising two boys and starting his own successful home building business. Michael, usually going by just Mike, owned 75 acres of land near Happy Valley, Tennessee, and thoroughly loved and enjoyed the outdoors. On August 23, 2008, Mike called his sons, Matt and Andy, and told them he was leaving his condo in Maryville, picking up the mower, and heading up to the property to mow grass. Around 10 o'clock a.m., he actually passed his son Andy on Gateway Road. Around noon, Mike is seen driving towards his property, and two neighbors spot him a few minutes later heading out on an ATV. Mike waves at them as he goes by. Michael Heron would never be seen again. podcast. This episode is coming at you a little late this week as we have been on location in the Smoky Mountains. We also took a couple of days in Columbus, Ohio and walked the path that Tyler Davis was said to have taken before he disappeared. Remember you can support these cases and our podcast by visiting our online merchandise store and joining our group over at Patreon. We try and make a donation to any causes involved with these cases that we cover. And a big thank you again to last week's sponsor, Rooms for Vacation. Please check them out on Facebook and Instagram and give them a follow for some travel deals. This week's partner is Fetch. Fetch is a free app you can download and use to scan your receipts. Each receipt is worth 25 to 1,000 points, and you can then redeem those points for gift cards. I actually wanted to try this app out for myself before partnering with them for this. So I have been using the app for a little over a month just to see what all the fuss was about. And I can honestly say it's 100% worth it and super easy to use. In one month, I collected over 10,000 points. I do plan on using the app and redeeming those points for vacation this summer. You can get airline credits. You can get restaurant gift cards. You can get Amazon gift cards, a ton of choices when it comes to redeeming your points. You can use our link in the show notes below to get 2,000 free points when you download the app. And thanks to Fetch and all of our partners as they help us get these shows produced to you every week. The story of Michael Heron is a case that hasn't received enough media attention, in my opinion. Perhaps a little bit back in 2008 when Mike first went missing, but a lot of people living in that area of Tennessee still have not even ever heard of Michael Heron. And the fact remains, Mike is still missing and has left behind two loving sons and even two grandsons that were born after his disappearance. They all deserve and need some answers as to the whereabouts of their dad and grandfather. 
Michael Heron disappeared from Happy Valley, Tennessee. And just to give you an idea, Happy Valley is a small little valley located on the edge of the Great Smoky Mountains, about an hour outside of the Gatlinburg Pigeon Forge area and contains just about 500 residents in its borders. It's just what you'd picture for the Smoky Mountains. Homes are spaced far apart, mountain views surround, and forest land is abundant in that area. There is one main road that runs through Happy Valley, and that is Happy Valley Road. On the morning of Saturday, August 23rd in 2008, Mike called his sons to let them know he was going to pick up a mower and head up to his property. Mike spent his weekdays living in his condo in Maryville, Tennessee, and he did that to be close to work and would then spend a lot of his weekends and other free time at his land up in Happy Valley. On that Saturday, Mike picked up the mower, loaded it onto his trailer at around 9.30 a.m. As he headed out of town towards Happy Valley, he actually passed one of his sons driving the opposite way. Mike's two boys, Andy and Matt, were both in their young 20s and worked as general contractors with his home building company, Mike Heron Builders. One of the boys, in fact, had just gotten married a couple months prior, and Mike had served as a best man in his son's wedding. So Mike heads to Happy Valley, and as he navigates down his road, Bell Branch Road, one of the few roads in Happy Valley, one of his neighbors spots him driving in with the mower. As Mike neared his driveway, He parked the truck and trailer at the end of the drive and then would apparently hop out and jump on one of his ATVs. As he drove out of his drive on his four-wheeler, he saw another neighbor and waved. The next day, Sunday, August 24th, Mike's parents who lived nearby would drive by his property and see his truck left at the end of the drive. The trailer was still attached and the mower was still sitting unmoved on the back. The grass had also not been mowed. So they wondered why hadn't Mike moved his truck? Why was it left there? And why had he not mowed the grass as he had set out to do? They went up and knocked on his door, but they received no answer. Mike's mother called his son, Matt, to ask if he had heard from him at all, but he said he had not. It kind of appears at this time that they are worried, but not panicked. After all, Mike is a 52-year-old man, an avid outdoorsman, and experienced in the mountains and the forest. In fact, prior to starting his own home building business, he worked for the Park Service. On Monday morning, August 25th, 2008, Mike's mother called his sons again to ask them both if either had heard from Mike yet, and again their answer was no. Andy drives over to Mike's condo in Marysville to have a look around, but nothing looked amiss. Two of his three vehicles were there, his motorcycle and a car, both were in the garage as normal. The lights in the condo were turned off, the bed was made, everything looked as if Mike had just locked up and left. Mike's parents then drive over to the property. The truck is still in the same spot. The mower 
appearing untouched and the lawn still not mowed. Andy and Matt are now becoming very worried. Both drive over to the property and their initial thought was that Mike might have been hurt somewhere and unable to reach out to them. Maybe he had an accident on the property, maybe was unable to move, maybe he had been pinned down, maybe he had fallen and and broken a leg, because it's just not like Mike to stay out of touch for a couple of days. Andy and Matt get to the property, they see Mike's truck, and they're immediately even more panicked. The truck was left in a spot where Mike would not have left it for any length of time. He had a bus that he allowed to park on the property on the weekends, and with his truck where it was, the bus wouldn't have been able to access the place to park. They also noticed that the truck windows were both down, and inside the truck were his keys, ID clip, with money, and his cell phone. The cell phone service up in Happy Valley was poor, so they weren't too alarmed that Mike didn't take his phone with him. They were alarmed that his truck had been left in that position possibly since Friday. They notice one of the ATVs is missing. And believing their dad may be hurt somewhere on the property, they begin searching right away for him. Matt and Andy know all of the ATV trails on the property and all of the spots their dad would go to. There were certain areas on the land that were used as a campground. They checked all of those spots, but they found nothing. No sign of Mike or even that Mike had been there recently. Around 3 o'clock p.m. on that Monday, Matt and Andy called the National Park Service to report their dad missing. They are transferred to the Blount County Sheriff's Office to file an official missing persons report, and a search immediately begins. They bring in dogs, drones, helicopters, and dozens of searchers They search Monday evening. However, into the night, it begins to rain and they call off the search for the time being. Now, the rain is unfortunate and people have mixed feelings as to how the search dogs work in the rain. And a lot of people feel that the rain could hinder a search dog's ability to pick up a scent. But a lot of the animal experts and articles that I have read with that research actually state the opposite, that the rain can help keep the scent stabilized for the dogs to follow. However, what is unfortunate is rain does impede the search from the human standpoint, and it makes the property very difficult to search and could wash away any evidence. Remember, we're in the mountains, we're in the forest, things can get muddy, things can get washed away. So Tuesday morning, it's now August 26th, they pick up the search again. And a friend of Mike's who was involved in the search and helping out is checking an area near Happy Valley Loop, about a mile from Mike's property, when he finds a discarded, abandoned ATV, which turns out to be Mike's four-wheeler. The ATV was parked on a steep hill, the ignition switch was left on, and there was no evidence of Mike anywhere. And it looked as if the ATV had been turned off via the kill switch, which both Mike's sons said is not something he would have ever done. The ATV was also found in an odd place. It was not somewhere on Mike's property, and it was not somewhere he was ever known to go. 
And it's not like he needs to venture off onto someone else's land when he himself owns 75 acres. Right away to his sons and the searchers, it didn't make sense why his ATV would be there. They bring the dogs in, hoping to find a scent and be able to track Mike from the ATV, but the dogs pick up nothing. The sheriff's office searched extensively for five full days using all resources they could. They used cadaver dogs, search dogs, helicopters, drones, volunteers, whatever they had to utilize, they did. Mike was a well-known and respected man in the area and had no known enemies. Where on earth is Mike Heron? He rode off into the Smoky Mountains on an ATV and just vanished. I'm sure some of you have followed the Missing 411 series, which focuses heavily on disappearances in National Forest Land. And a lot of those cases are very interesting and fascinating. The author and creator is a big paranormal and Bigfoot fan and who had been dedicated to proving the existence of such things. So a lot of people wonder, is this such a case? I mean, we have little clues. Actually, we have zero clues as to Mike Heron's whereabouts. How can he disappear without a trace? Nothing found in the woods and nothing found in or around the ATV to help answer that question. First, let's look at a few of the questions or oddities that have come up regarding his disappearance. And then we'll take a look at some theories. My first question, why did Mike immediately park his truck at the end of his drive and then take off on an ATV. Some have speculated that maybe he saw something while driving to this property and wanted to go check it out. Or maybe he just wanted to ride off and blow off some steam and and have some fun for a little bit before he got to mowing. It seems odd to me, at least, that he parked his truck there and just hopped on an ATV and took off that he didn't pull the truck into a normal spot, unload the mower, kind of get situated, and then maybe take a little ride before hopping on his mower. But he just parked the truck at the end of the drive, hopped on an ATV, and rode off. And I can only take two things away from that. Number one, he seemed perfectly fine and not in distress since he was witnessed by his neighbors whom he waved to as he passed them. I do wonder how certain they were that it was Mike that they saw, but by all reports, nothing seems out of the ordinary with that, and the police and the family believe that it was indeed Mike on that ATV. So if it was Mike, we can be pretty certain at this point that he's okay, he's not in distress. He might be going to check something out, but he doesn't seem overly concerned or worried. Number two, I don't think he intended to be gone long. I mean, he left his personal belongings in his truck with the windows down, and he had a full day of mowing grass ahead of him. Plus, he left his truck in an inconvenient location. So it seems he would only do that if he thought he would be right back. My next question, why was his ATV found the way it was and where it was? It was parked unusually 
left abandoned and not even on his property. It was even sitting on a steep incline. Kind of tucked off into some brush and trees and not passable area. Yet there was not one sign of Mike anywhere around it. So it makes me wonder, did Mike put it there or did someone else put it there? I also have some questions about relationships. I know the police have indicated there were no known enemies to Mike. He was considered one of the good guys. Everyone liked him. I have confirmed that he was married to Beth Heron, although nothing is ever discussed about her during the investigation. It is his sons that gave all the interviews, put up the posters, started a website. Where was Beth during all of this? And I don't want to insinuate anything. Maybe she just couldn't handle the stress and the pressure of all of it. And for that reason, her sons took that off of her by handling it themselves, which I can certainly understand. It's just worth noting that nothing has ever been mentioned of Beth and what her thoughts are during all of this. So with those questions in mind, let's take a look at some of the theories that have been discussed in the disappearance of Mike Heron. Theory number one, Mike Heron took off on his own accord. While this is a possibility due to lack of evidence pointing to other theories, no one actually believes this. Mike was very close to his family, especially his two sons, and he was anxious and excited about becoming a grandfather soon, as he had hoped. He was doing well in business, and he seemed to have a lot going for him. Nothing at all seems to point towards him wanting to leave. Theory number two. Mike became injured while out on his four-wheeler and wandered away from the ATV, possibly succumbing to the elements. And this is not an impossibility. However, remember, this was familiar property to Mike. And he was a former park service employee, even spending time as a volunteer park ranger. But if he was injured, was he incoherent or confused? However, if this is the case, then where is he? Why were the dogs unable to track his scent? Did he just happen to find a hidden spot that no one has discovered yet? Theory number three. Mike met with foul play at the hands of someone he knew. Was this a setup? Did somebody know he was headed up there that day? Did a business deal go south? A deal that no one knew about but him. No one he knew or worked with had any inclination that this could be the case, and police found no evidence of anything in his financial records and in interviews with all those around him. Again, though, people have been known to have secrets. And while this may be an unlikely or even unpopular theory in this case, it really cannot be ruled out. This brings us to theory number four. Mike saw something he shouldn't have and met with foul play. I saved this theory for last because 
This is what the Suns believe happened. And if you read through social media discussions on this case, it seems the general public believes this could be a possibility also. And this would explain why he left his truck where he did and took off right away on his ATV. Maybe he went to go check on something or someone he saw while driving up to his property on that day. Many have said that because of it being such a rural area, it could have been illegal marijuana growers or even a meth lab. And I have to admit, while everything does seem to possibly point to this theory, I just have one nagging question that keeps popping in my mind. If there was something illegal that he went to go check on, why have the police not uncovered evidence of that during their search? Most people seem to think because of the area, the ruralness of it, and the history of these things happening, a lot of people believe that there was some illegal marijuana growing happening up there and Mike discovered it or saw something that led him to go check it out. But if this is the case, wouldn't there have been evidence of such during a search? Plants dug up earth, some type of sign to show that something had been harvested or grown there. However, if we look at meth labs, meth labs are often portable because of their odors. So was it somebody in a camper or a van that was able to immediately leave the area undetected? Maybe after there was a confrontation with Mike? And honestly, although most people seem to lean towards the illegal growing of marijuana as the theory in this case, I tend to think it might be more likely that it was something along the lines of a meth lab that left no clues behind for the police to pick up on. And it's unclear as to what other type of illegal activity might have been going on. Everybody always speculates that it's drug-related, but could there have been something else that Mike saw? As of recording this in 2021, it has been 13 years since Mike Heron disappeared. And although they continue to have anniversary hikes and searches every year in the beginning, I'm not sure if that is still taking place. There is a small Facebook group dedicated to Mike Heron and the search for him, but it doesn't look like it has been active for a few years. There is a website that is believed to have been created by his sons, findmikeheron.com. And I encourage you to check it out and kind of get a better idea of Mike, of what he looked like, and of who he was as a person. Unfortunately, there's still not a lot of updates in 2021 as to what happened to Mike. And despite all of the efforts of family and friends and law enforcement, not one little trace of Mike Heron has ever surfaced. Mike Heron is 5 foot 10 and weighed about 185 pounds at the time of his disappearance. He was last seen wearing a faded red t-shirt, khaki cargo shorts, and Tiva sandals. If you have any information as to the whereabouts of Mike Heron, please contact the Blount County Sheriff's Office at 865-273-5001.
I'm really curious to know what your thoughts are on this case. And if you'd like to join our private case discussion groups, head over to patreon.com slash where are they podcast and click join. I think the cost begins at just $3 a month. And remember, we use those proceeds to help us make donations to charities set up by families, as well as our charities of the month. Also, please make sure you're following us on our YouTube channel, the Where Are They podcast, as it helps us spread awareness for all of these cases. Mike's case, again, received a little bit of media attention in the early years, and this was 13 years ago. It is not receiving the media attention that it really should be. We will have Mike's video up on the YouTube channel soon, and we'll be able to share photos of Mike, his family, maps of the area in which he went missing, and kind of give you an overall picture of his case. Be sure to follow us on social media for case updates and announcements. Also, a huge thank you for supporting our sponsors and our partners. Rooms for Vacation is on Facebook and Instagram and offers hotel, Airbnb, and vacation rental discounts. And this week's featured partner is Fetch. Download the Fetch app for free using our link in the description. And we will also share that link on our Facebook page. Doing so will get you 2,000 free points to get you started. And you can get those free gift cards just by scanning your everyday receipts. If you have a case suggestion for us, please email canwefindthem at gmail.com. Thank you all for tuning in to this week's episode and listening to Mike Heron's story. It's a mysterious one for sure. Share his story any way you can. Spread the word. Mike now has two grandsons that he has never met and a group of family and friends who need answers. We will be back again next week with another episode of Where Are They? Be sure you're subscribed to receive those notifications. And until then, stay safe and hug your loved ones.